It's the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, the most important story. Out here in Colorado, we had a sex education bill that was passed. It was signed by the governor and put into law. I just can't believe what is happening to uh, public education. The latest in politics and world affairs. We are now using policy that if you don't affirm something, that they use policy then to take away your businesses. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Kids are just being bombarded with darkness. It's the AmeriChicks, dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. You know, we need to get back to letting our kids be kids. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Uh-oh, guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Leslie, guess what today is. It's hump day. Indeed. Congratulations. It is hump day. I'm Kim Munson, and we are going to have a conversation about some of the very important issues out there. Uh, great uh, great to have you join us, and um, we've got a big show planned for you today. We're going to go through some headlines in the first segment. Second segment, we'll talk with Sherry Peff. She is a, a, a columnist, a reporter with Complete Colorado. Be sure and check out Complete Colorado, and uh, when you get there, they, they aggregate news from all over the, the state, uh, and uh, keeps you informed on what's going on. And then also, if you click on the banner on the top, that will take you to all of the original content. But so interesting. Uh, Sherry did a, a piece on uh, this guy. I had something very creative, very creative, very innovative. You know, we get a lot of hailstorms here in Colorado. And he has a business where he was recycling these shingles. And uh, the CD, uh, let's see, Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment. So the CDPHE just came in and closed him down without any reason. And uh, again, that's an unelected uh, group of bureaucrats. And so we're going to talk with Sherry about that in the second segment. Can I just say I have relatives in Windsor because that's where this story focused or centers at. So I sent them the link to the story out of Complete Colorado. I say, what's up with this? <laughs> and my... The obvious consensus of opinion was more unwarranted, unwanted government intrusion. And it sure sounds like it. Now, when I was uh, confirming Sherry yesterday, she said there's an update. So that is our cliffhanger to find out what's going on there. Great. Okay. And uh, segments three and four, I want to say thank you to Liberty Oilfield Services, who is underwriting this show. This is our health and hydrocarbon show. Uh, and actually, did you realize that hydrocarbons actually contribute to better health across the globe? And uh, so we'll talk with him about its energy poverty, not climate change, that threatens poor countries. So you will want to stay tuned for that when we talk with uh, Don Watkins with the Center for Industrial Progress. As we look at each of these issues, it's freedom versus force, force versus freedom. Socialism is being romanticized here in America today. Once you get down to it, there's nothing romantic about socialism. It comes down to force. And uh, we'll, a number of these articles, you will see that uh, you felt good, but did you do good? We're seeing a continuation of the socialization of transportation, education, energy, housing, and water. And uh, when these things, when everyday average work, you know, hardworking people are able to, you know, take care of their families and um, go after their businesses, then they can thrive and prosper and the country does well. And uh, we're seeing, you know what, I'm going to change my P, uh, PBIs, my politicians, bureaucrats, and interested parties. Oh, just when we got used to that phrase. But you're going to like this. It's going to be PPBIs, politicians, pundits, 
uh, bureaucrats and interested parties because the pundits are busy as well. What do you think? Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, I mean, everyone's has an opinion. Everyone's welcome to their opinion, but sometimes the leverage and, and the the soapbox that they're on gives them incredible leverage. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Well, ultimately, we need to be searching for truth, and that is what we work to do every day here. And we appreciate you, listeners. Uh, you each have a purpose. You're treasured. You're valued. And each day, we need to strive for excellence uh, in heart, soul, mind, and body. That needs to be something that we work towards. Steve, uh, thank you to you, Producer Steve, and to the team, to Zach and Patty and Keith and Charlie. Greatly appreciate you guys all keeping this, uh, this train on the track. A uh, couple of, of things I want to make sure that you have on your radar. Every day, each of us has a responsibility to engage in a conversation, to work to influence people, to move, to move to the, again, to the idea of the American idea. And uh, one of the things we need to do is to keep government in check. Uh, back in, I think it was 1982. Would that have been 25 years ago? I'm, anyway, <laughs> I, uh, sorry, more than that. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, maybe. We, anyway, we put into place in the Constitution 25 years ago the Tabor, the Taxpayers' Bill of Rights, and the PPBIs, the politicians, pundits, bureaucrats, and interested parties have not liked it because it basically says, "Hey, you guys, uh, if you want to raise our taxes, increase our debt." Or keep our tax refunds, and, and we'll give you growth, and we'll give you population growth. You have a formula for that. Anything above that, you need to give it back. And, and if you don't want to on any of those things, you just have to ask us. And they don't want to ask us. And so we're seeking assault on Tabor, the Taxpayer Bill of Rights. Probably in this on this particular ballot, November 2019, you're going to see Proposition CC where they're going to say, and they have it really fluffy. I mean, the language on it is so deceptive, uh, but says without increasing taxes. Well, wait a minute. If you're keeping tax refunds that are actually due to us, that is increasing taxes. So it's very deceptive. Oh, but nobody's supposed to be able to figure that out. Come on. And there's going to be a lot of money. The other thing is, is the PPBIs uh, are going to be pushing this because there's a lot of money involved, and they stand to get money in their pocket if they can convince everyday people to give up their tax refunds forever. You know, they're so creative. Uh, this is like a full year away, right? No, no, no. This is November for oh, this, this one. This November. Okay. Well, again, they're so creative. I can't wait to see the uh, TV ads that come out, you know, the, the half-truths, mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. you know, let me tell you a little story here, but not all of it, all that kind of stuff. So you say the PB, PP. BIs, yeah. I got to get used to this. They don't like Tabor, but let's 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 uh, open the the window all the way. Why don't they like it? Because it forces them to a level of government and transparency, transparency that either they can obtain attain or choose not to. Exactly. And uh, the only way really to keep people in check is to make sure that you're, you know, what was it Ronald Reagan said, trust but verify. And if we get rid of Tabor and the Taxpayer Bill of Rights, you know, we're not going to be able to to verify. And I certainly don't trust them right now. So Natalie Minton will be having a second training in regards to Tabor, the Taxpayer Bill of Rights. It's on Saturday, September 14th. Uh, check-in begins at 1030. It's in the, at the Lone Tree Library uh, out in Lone Tree, Colorado. The training starts at 11. It goes till about 3. It's $20. And to register, go to coloradoengage.com, coloradoengage.com. And my friends, each one of us, we need to get off our duffs. 
You know, we can't just uh, think that somebody else is going to do something. Everybody has to do one thing. Try to do one thing every day. So, again, go to coloradoengage.com. And if you want to fall in love with America all over again, you need to go up to Grand Lakes U.S. Constitution Week. Uh, I believe it begins on September 16th. Dr. Tom Cranenwitter will kick it off. Uh, I get to emcee the final event, uh, and that will be on uh, Saturday. And so for more information on that, go to GrandLakeUSConstitutionWeek.com. That's GrandLakeUSConstitutionWeek.com. There's a parade. There's fireworks. You want to fall in love with America all over again, get up there to Grand Lake. It is a, it is a, a, a beautiful piece of scenery up there. And then um, I want to say thank you to a, a new sponsor, Lauren Levy. And uh, we're, we're working on getting everything lined around, you know, on the website. And uh, But he is a, a, a specialist in mortgages. And uh, so really, really excited to join, have Lauren join us as well. So stay tuned for more information on that. Uh, so let's get to a little inspiration. I thought this was Mar- Martha Washington. When I put this on the outline, Steve, but it's Mary Washington. So I'm not sure that this was actually George Washington's wife, but it's still a good, good quote. So I'm going to give it to you, okay? His little sister? <laughs> could be. Could be. She said, I am determined to be cheerful and happy in whatever situation I may find myself. For I have learned that the greater part of our misery or unhappiness is determined not by our circumstances, but by our disposition. And uh, take that to heart. Instead of blaming everybody else, you know, you can, you can actually, I think, change your disposition by the way you, you look at life. So I've got three funnies for you, though. You ready? I'm ready. Okay, here we go. Why doesn't a radical, bolder, sustainable consultant look out the window in the morning? Answer, it gives him something to do in the afternoon. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, I, you know, I typically try not to get real snarky on things, although I have decided I'm going to start to call uh, Governor Polis King Polis because after this little stunt last week on the executive order uh, regarding putting 24 people on the Air Quality Control Council uh, and uh, the executive order that says that Colorado will be a 100% renewable energy by 2040, which that is out burning, Bernie. Um, I, I think that it warrants calling him King Polis, and and that is how I'm going to refer to him because he thinks he is. Well, remember the story: the emperor's new clothes. Uh-huh. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Okay. So, how do King Polis's subsidized electric car owners drive? <laughs> That's such a loaded question. Go ahead. Are you ready? One hand on the wheel and the other patting themselves on the back. Oh, yeah. Okay, last one. According to a new, U- this is Jay Leno. So this is very, this was a while ago when he said this. He says, according to a new UN report, the global warming outlook is much worse than originally predicted, which is pretty bad when they originally predicted that it would destroy the planet. <laughs> oh, you're speechless on that one. Okay. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Let me jump into a couple of things here. Um, I'm going to ask Jason about this one. I, I could not believe this when I went. Patty, you know, she does such an amazing job on this. Um, I'll come back to that. Here we go. And that is traffic is awful, and yet RTD's ridership is down. 
How would you make it better? This is from the uh, CPR.org. It says, RTD's ridership is down 5% since 2015, even though the population of the seven-county Denver metro area is up 15% since 2010. There are now more than 3 million of us crowded around the Mile High City. So why are people getting off and staying off RTD's buses and trains? Uh, In a recent survey, 36% of the non-riders said they don't use RTD services because they profess they love their car. In an effort to understand the disconnect, we wandered around downtown Denver to ask people why they don't use RTD. And what we largely heard matched the agency survey that people prefer the easiest way to get around, and that's often a car, a trend supported by more recent national surveys. Now, Steve, several things. Now, we've talked about this movement here by King Polis and uh, Denver, you know, Mayor Hancock and the Denver City Council to move people out of their cars. Of course, they do this all under the guise of, you know, that we're killing the planet with fossil fuels. That's why I can't wait to talk with Don Watkins in the third and fourth segment. But, you know, cars are running cleaner and cleaner. And if, in fact, they really believed that, then it seems like they would do something about running empty buses. So as I was driving over here, you know, they have those signs on the highway. You know, we've talked about the Overton window where you're trying to move public opinion one way or the other. And Ex- there's Excellent observation. I, actually, I was going to say the same thing to you. You and I travel pretty much the same route. The electronic signs today were very eye-opening. So, so sometimes it'll say, uh, ozone alert, mow uh, after 4 o'clock today. Or ozone alert. Um, refuel. Y- yeah, refuel. Uh, refuel after 4. Yeah. Ozone alert, uh, skip a trip today. Uh, ozone alert, let's see, what was it today? I can't remember. But anyway, continue. Just blaring, blaring you know, messages at you. First of all, I'm getting to the point where I think this ozone alert thing may be a bunch of malarkey. And do you know what the word malarkey is? It's a nice way of saying something else. (laughs) And uh, I think that that, um, because if you really delve into it, where they do their testing, there's only a few places, and sometimes the results aren't uh, reliable. But yet they continue to you know, send these messages to make us feel guilty about moving about in, a, uh, in the manner that we choose. I really think that uh, CDOT and RTD should be working with the public to make it easier for people to travel around in the vehicle of their choice. But instead, they're sending these messages. I mean, just think about the electricity that's necessary to run those electronic signs on a regular basis. But as I was at the stoplight... I see an RTD bus go by with not a person on it. And I'm thinking, well, maybe one of the ways to, uh, if you're really serious about the whole uh, ozone thing, maybe you don't run empty buses around all the time or empty trains. What do you think, Steve? Well, I'm reminded, I I think I ran it into you a couple weeks ago because it was sitting in the uh, break room. A copy of the Aurora Sentinel cover article (laughs) suggesting that RTD now means ridership trending downward. <laughs> That's right. So one other thing before we get to Sherry, and that is this last thing that Patty had pulled out. I think it was, and no, it was, uh, did you see the Obamas? They just bought a $15 million house on Martha's Vineyard. Yeah, the article dubbed it the house of hypocrisy. Yeah. You know, because, um, you know, where was it back? 
I don't know, 2010, 2011, Michelle Obama said, you know, people are going to have to tighten their belts and, you know, the economy is going to be awful. And here they buy this $15 million house uh, on Martha's Vineyard. And uh, first of all, if you're concerned that the oceans are going to rise, it seems like you wouldn't buy a house right by the ocean, right? (laughs) Therefore, the house of hypocrisy. There you go. So if, if, in fact, this whole thing was real, then you would see these people making different decisions. But I, I, I submit to you that this is more about controlling things. Uh, and when they try to control things, they don't really give uh, much care to the everyday, hardworking, middle-class American who just is working to make their, their um, businesses grow and to take care of their families. And speaking of that, we had a very creative um, uh, businessman up in Windsor who came up with an idea to try to keep many of these shingles that uh, are taken off the houses here in Colorado because we have so many hailstorms. And he came up with a real creative idea, and all of a sudden the CDHEP swoops in and stops them. And Sherry Peff is uh, looking into that. She's with Complete Colorado. When we come back, we're going to ask her what she found out. Looking for an awesome place to host your draft party? Look no further than Hooters. With tons of TVs, free Wi-Fi, world-famous wings, and ice-cold beer, you're probably thinking, it doesn't get any better than that. But wait, at Hooters, it does. Every fantasy league gets a free draft kit and over $200 in Hooters swag. Join us for fantasy football done Hooter style. Book now at Hooters.com slash football. That's Hooters.com slash football. See you at Hooters. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. As a director with the National Association of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Karen Levine believes in homeownership. Because of Karen's love of dogs, Karen volunteers with GUR, Golden Retriever Rescue of the Rockies, helping Golden Retrievers find their forever homes. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516. All Americhicks sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the Americhicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. Welcome back. I'm Kim Munson, where we are dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. And we're going to talk with Sherry Peff in just a minute. She is with Complete Colorado. She's done a very important piece about the CD. P-H-E, I think it is, uh, shutting down a business up in Windsor. Before we do that, during the break, you you heard our spot regarding Hooters. You know, it's fantasy football time. And last week I met somebody for lunch over there, and they have this new thing. It's chicken chips. And uh, I have to tell you, they are really, really good. So I want to say thank you to all of my sponsors. As many of you know, I purchased my time. I'm a true entrepreneur, uh, and which is great because we have full editorial co- uh, um, control of what goes on here. Uh, but it's because of these sponsors uh, that I, we're able to do this. So Hooters of Colorado, Karen Levine, Remax Alliance, 88 Drive-In Theater, Water's Edge Winery, Liberty Toastmasters, First American State Bank, Presidential Wealth Management, and Liberty Oilfield Services, who is underwriting this show, Health and Hydrocarbons, and then, of course, the Harris family that write, underwrites the uh, Federalist Papers. If you would like to be my partner... 
reach out to me at americhicks.com and we can talk. And uh, speaking of, of talking, Sherry Peff, welcome. It's great to have you on the line. Hey, thanks, Kim. Absolutely. This is nice. Well, tell me, uh, you are, first of all, you do an amazing job. Uh, you are out there on the forefront. You kind of remind me of, uh, you know, the old famous reporters, you know, that are doing the beat and finding out what's going on. And everything is published in the Complete Colorado. But uh, on the 23rd, you published a piece. You said the sta- a state agency abruptly shuts down a shingle recycling business in Windsor, and the owner is looking for reasons why. What happened? Yeah, well, you know, I guess first of all, is the state of Colorado doesn't believe that shingles can be recycled. So that's where the whole story starts. A gentleman up in Windsor has developed, he has patents on it. He has um, processing plants outside of the state of Colorado because Colorado doesn't believe it can happen. Um, to where he can actually, he, he calls it manufacture. He doesn't call it recycle. But he says that, you know, he can manufacture oil, gravel, and fiberglass from these um, asphalt shingles that you see on houses. So he's got a, a place up in Windsor where he collects the shingles from the roofing companies after they pull them off the house. He then puts them on a rail car and ships them out of Colorado to, to process them out. Well, all of a sudden on Thursday, the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment showed up at his business. He wasn't there. His son was there showed up in his business and said, nope, no more, shut it down, you're, you're an illegal dumping facility. And, he was like, and they didn't even say that in the beginning. They just said, shut it down, we're done. So his son, you know, debated for a while, and then they finally just stopped doing what they were doing. They eventually went to the railroad and told them that what was going on was Howard Brand, Brand Technologies, was an illegal, an illegal dumping facility and needed a permit to be a landfill. Well, he's not a landfill. I mean, in no way, shape, or form does any of these shingles stay there, rot out, and that's, in fact, the exact opposite of what he's trying to do. Um, I'm actually meeting with him later today. He's going to show me the process, show me the patents, show me, you know, the receipts that he has because he takes this oil that he pulls out and he sells it back to the industry um, to the tune of, it's like, it's, Something to the effect of two barrels of oil for every, or two, two tons of barrels of oil. I can't remember exactly how it works out, but 11 million ton of shingles every year end up in the landfill in the United States. Mm-hmm. And from that 11 million ton of shingles, you can extract 22 billion barrels of oil. So that's, that's <sighs> what we're looking at here, what, what could possibly be... Um, with this development that he has come that he has come up with, Sherry, this is absolutely fascinating because you know the American idea is, is people take a a challenge and use creativity and innovation and come up with a solution. And it seems to me like it's no skin off of Colorado's back anyway because these are being shipped out of our landfills. <laughs> you know, so I, I'm well, yeah, and that was, I'm not understanding that exactly. And that was the discussion that I had. Um, with the mayor of Windsor yesterday because now CDPHE has kind of backtracked and said, oh, wait a minute, it's, we, we need to, this, this is really kind of on the, on the town of Windsor, not on the state of Colorado. So they called the mayor, and, and Windsor is now looking into making sure that he is meeting all of their requirements in order to open him back up. And that was the conversation I had with her in that, who cares? 
you know, these, these shingles are not staying there. The roofers bring them in. They pay him a small fee, less than what they would pay the landfill. They pay him a small fee. He loads them onto a rail car and ships them out of Colorado. This is not a landfill. This is not, this is a transfer facility. And if he ships them out of the state of Colorado, whatever happens to them when they leave Colorado, who cares? Again, I don't understand where he would be gaining anything if he was not processing them. Right. He collects a little bit of money, and then he pays some money to ship them back out to another state. What is he doing with if he's not processing them? He's then having to pay somebody to dispose of them. If, you know, the, the idea that he's not processing these shingles just doesn't sit with me. Yeah. And yeah. that's what the state is saying is that he can't. There's just no way to do it, you know. They they won't they won't buy into they won't buy into the idea, and honestly, this is a normal everyday man who created this this patent. So we're talking millions of dollars, uh, billions of dollars, trillions of dollars. Honestly, if if this is really what's happening, and it's not going to some big corporate conglomerate. So yeah, I don't know. Okay, Sherry, this is, you know, this is really important. This is a microcosm of what has been going on in America. So you are on to something here. I'd, I'd like to have you back. Um, do you think Friday's going to be too soon? Are you going to need to work on this? Maybe we should get you back next week. But I'd like to hear what you've found out. And we would like to help on this as well. If You know, as you continue to study this, You'll get more information. You'll make sure that you think that, you know, you've, I know that you're so thorough in your reporting that you'll get the facts on that. But uh, we, we'll, we'll get you back. Why don't uh, I'll give you a call after the show and we'll get it figured out that what will work for your schedule. That'd be great. Okay. Oh, that'd be perfect. Absolutely. Thanks, Kim. Thanks so much. And that's Sherry Peff. She is with Complete Colorado. And just think about it, you guys. Here's a man who's come up with an idea to keep a whole bunch of shingles out of a landfill and uh, and you know break them down and use those products uh, again recycle if you will bring in, and and the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment want to shut him down and uh, so let's stay on top of that story i think that's a pretty important one so jason mcbride good morning how are you today boy oh boy i read uh Patty's list of articles last night, and I was like, man, Kim's not going to know which one to pick from. <laughs> they were all so holy moly-ish. I know. She is doing such an amazing job on uh, on research. I think, let's, you know, first of all, I want to ask you, uh, you watch these patterns in the market, and yes. is there something developing right now that people need to be aware of? Well, I kind of think there is. Uh, uh, there's a pattern called a head and shoulders pattern, which is pretty easy to spot when you look at the market. Uh, you know, that's what it looks like. You see kind of a hump that looks like a shoulder, a higher one that looks like a head, and then another one that would look like a, a shoulder on the right side. And there, there's a few little nuances to it, but, but often this is, this is kind of a negative pattern, Kim, that can precede a market sell-off. Um, yeah, I don't know if we've quite completed this one yet, so I don't want to be a complete alarmist. But understand, I'm not a cheerleader for the market either. I mean, yesterday I spent a lot of time talking about how well our markets have done compared to China. I think that's great, but if I think 
also they might be getting in trouble. I mean, I'm going to say that too. It's not my job to be a cheerleader and tell people things are perfect all the time. You know what I mean? I, I do. I totally understand. And, uh, it's probably something to take a look at. I wanted to just ask you quickly, and, and uh, uh, this was from Slate.com, and it says, former Fed official, his name is Bill Dudley. He was with the New York Fed. He says that the that we should let the economy tank so that it can hurt President Trump so that he will not be reelected. And, uh, I mean, it's absolutely astonishing. It's, it's so irresponsible. This would hurt everyday people. Uh, with their jobs. And so this is a guy, a former guy, a he, you know, head or top official with the Fed out in New York. Right. And, you know, I have to tell you, I had a lump in my stomach because if people are cheering for the economy to fail, just think what that does to the opportunity of our young people. And it put a knot in my stomach. And what do you think? Well, it, it's, you know, this guy, uh, the head of the New York uh, Federal Reserve, is considered kind of the second most powerful, you know, position in the reserve uh, uh, often, Kim. And it is, it, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, he was in the New York Federal Reserve. So, I mean, uh, it sounds like he was a, a pretty strong leftist. Uh, that's showing up now. I mean, he's not a whole lot different than, uh, you know, John Brennan or James Clapper or now uh, Andrew McCabe or James Comey or all these other uh, people that were supposed to be uh, true Americans that are now willing to uh, flush the whole country down the toilet just because they don't want to see Donald Trump continue to be president. But, uh, again, the the Fed's job is not to... uh, decide politics. Uh, The Fed already does a whole heck of a lot more than what their job is, uh, but but their job is certainly not to try to manipulate markets to either make a president look good or look bad. But unfortunately, uh, economies and markets do move and change due to presidents' policies that are in office. And if the Fed is making changes uh, in reaction to what's happening in the economy, well, sure, it's connected. I mean, the the Fed is, quote, dealing with what any president does. Uh, You want to talk about manipulation? I mean, you know, we we had a Fed that that went so far overboard uh, to prop up the markets, uh, you know, for, for eight years almost. Well, six of the eight years that Obama was in office, uh, you know, because of those policies, uh, raising mm-hmm. taxes when we're barely out of a recession, those type of things. So, you know, I, I, I really don't like hearing these kind of things being said because it doesn't make sense. But even more, it's just ridiculous, as you say, Kim, to be rooting for the whole world and and our country to go down the toilet so why we can get someone elected that's gonna uh, you know do the second flush and finish the job yeah right hey steve you had a quick comment this gentleman's name that you're discussing is bill dudley and uh uh jason would you venture to say he's a six-figure income um, well, I'm sure that he was, and after his comments today, I'm sure he'll probably very soon have a, 
multiple six-figure income being a commentator on either <laughs> CNN or MSNBC. Well, this particular brand of madness, I mean, uh, Bill Maher, the quote-unquote comedian, kind of stirred oh, this God. up a couple weeks ago. And I think, isn't it funny, knowing what Bill Maher gets paid, that the people starting this kind of stuff are usually well-heeled financially and don't have really a, a financial worry in the world, but yet it's the rest of us who will pay dearly. That's, that's a good point, Stephen. You know, um, Jason, just very quickly, I, I was thinking about it as I was driving in today because I had a knot in my stomach. And the business that you're in is trying to help people not have a knot in their stomach. Uh, no. and, and that is to, to, to plan for what, you know, may be coming on along. And so the way to do that is to reach out to you for a discovery session. And uh, the best way to do that is to go to chickspresidential.com chickspresidential.com and Jason will sit down with you so you can assess where you are so that you can be prepared for what may be coming down the pike and uh, hopefully sleep a little better at night. Well, I think that's a good idea, especially in, in times like these that feel uncertain. Uh, you know, we do have an election coming up in a little bit over a year. Uh, Kim, we don't know what's going to happen there. I mean, I believe if you think the media uh, was nasty in 2016, if you think that there were shenanigans going on in 2016, just wait until this one comes up. Uh, I mean, you know, the media in 2016, they still thought Trump was a joke, and they thought he wasn't going to win. They were attacking him just because they thought it was fun. Wait till this time around what they have in the store. Uh, if you don't think China's going to interfere in our election this time around, uh, I think that's pretty naive. So uh, it's going to be it's going to be a tough uh, uh, fight, at least mentally, for people to have to listen to this stuff. Uh, really swell up over the next year, wouldn't you think? I, I totally agree. So th- I, I would recommend people reach out to you at chickspresidential.com, chickspresidential.com, and sit down with Jason and his team for a discovery session. You don't lock the door. You don't make people, you know, there's no pressure, but I would highly recommend that. Jason, we will talk to you tomorrow. Uh, we're going to come right back to Don Watkins uh, and very, very important uh, perspective with health and hydrocarbons, that hydrocarbons actually are the thing that brings people out of poverty and if we say we care about people and if we really do care about people then we want the best for people and interestingly enough it's energy poverty not climate change that is threatening poor countries we'll be right back with don watkins he is with the center for industrial progress are you looking for news not propaganda ready for a news source you can actually trust how about a news site that doesn't want to sell you a subscription Visit CompleteColorado.com to see all the latest news from around Colorado. Complete Colorado's staff scours news sources from around the state and nation to bring you only the top stories that affect you right here in our great state. Updated three times a day, CompleteColorado.com has full-time reporters doing original investigations and reporting like newspapers used to do, as well as opinion and political commentary from a variety of Colorado voices. And CompleteColorado.com is the only place to read columnist Mike Rosen. Always fresh content, always free, always informed. CompleteColorado.com, your complete source for Colorado news. I feel like crying when I see what's going on and all this political rhetoric out there, but I'm looking for clarity. 
And uh, one of the guys that I think can bring us some clarity on this whole climate change narrative is Don Watkins. He is the editor of Alex Epstein's book, The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels. And thank you to to, uh, Liberty Oilfield Services for underwriting this show. Uh, Don Watkins, we talked to you last month. It's great to have you here again. Great to be here again. Uh, The G7 just met and, uh, you know, they talked a lot about climate change. And you guys have a very important piece on your website, industrialprogress.com, where you state that energy poverty, not climate change, threatens poor countries. And so I'm going to ask you the first question that's here. It says, don't people in wealthier nations who are less impacted by climate have a moral obligation to address climate change for the sake of people in poor countries that are very vulnerable to climate change? How do you respond, Don Watkins? Well, anytime people make this point that it's poor countries that suffer most from climate change, it's revealing in the sense that if the real problem, if the fundamental problem was the climate, then there's no reason why poor countries should be affected more. But the the very reason why they are affected more is precisely because it's our ability to cope with climate that matters more than anything. And how do we have the ability to cope with climate? Well, it's through energy, technology, and wealth. And as a result of energy and technology and wealth, we've seen climate-related deaths decrease by 98% over the last 100 years. We are much better at being able to, you know, with indoor heating, indoor cooling, irrigation, the ability to transport water and food to disaster areas, to build sturdy buildings. We have this enormous power underlied by our ability to harness incredible amounts of affordable energy that has made us safe from climate. And so what we should really want for the poor world, if even just on terms of climate, let alone all of the other benefits, is that they have industrialization underlied by affordable energy. And yet it's the people saying that that we are in a climate crisis that requires energy restriction who are saying that poor countries should not be using increasing amounts of fossil fuels. Okay, so as we break this down then, uh, this whole climate change policy doesn't look to me like it's trying to lift people up in poor countries, but possibly push people down in... um, you know, the wealthier nations, uh, and in fact, you may not have seen this, but just last, at the end of last week, Governor Polis out here in Colorado issued an executive order stating that Colorado would be 100% renewable by 2040. And, you know, as you, realistically, I don't think that that is possible without slowing the economy down. So instead of raising people up, it's going to push people down from what I can see, Don. What do you think? Well, it's not just not possible without hurting the economy. It's not possible because when people refer to renewables, almost always these plans exclude nuclear power, which is the only reliable form of non-carbon energy that that is available at scale. And so the, to have a 100% renewable means we're going to 100% rely on the sun and the wind. But because those are intermittent sources, they need to be backed up, and that almost is always from fossil fuels and, and typically natural gas. The only way you could have a 100% wind and solar grid is if you had storage, and yet that is insanely unaffordable, and that's why there's no grid on Earth. It's anywhere close to 100% renewable. And what I, don't, what I want is not 100% renewable, but what I want is the best form of energy for human life, including prosperity, including our ability to cope with climate. 
And for most of mankind today and for the foreseeable future, that is going to come from fossil fuels. Well, and, you know, it seems to me like that would be our goal uh, as um, politicians and and bureaucrats and, you know, just everyday people. It seems like we would be working towards what can we do to help people thrive and and prosper. But yet, I, Don, I'm seeing so many policies that look to me like they're going to hurt everyday hardworking people. Well, I think a lot of what's going on is that, yes, if you ask people, like, don't you think we should do what's best for people's ability to flourish now and into the future, they would agree to that. But that's not our default way of thinking, because we've been basically indoctrinated with the idea that when we're thinking about environmental issues, that our goal should not be human flourishing, but to minimize human impact on the planet. And if you have that as your ideal, well, that ideal goes against our ability to harness energy. Because if you set aside the specific side effects of something like fossil fuels, just energy per se is our ability to transform nature and make a big footprint. Like even if you had, you know, 100% solar and wind, what are you doing with that? You're still building buildings, building roads, you're creating all sorts of infrastructure, which is exactly the kind of thing that Greens don't want. And so what we encourage at the Center for Industrial Progress is that we should have at the forefront of our mind what will allow human beings to flourish. And that definitely includes a livable climate and a good environment. But if that all has to be integrated towards the overall goal of human well-being, which fundamentally depends more than anything on energy, And we can see that in countries that have gone from poor to less poor to rich. Like if you look at what's happened in China and India over the last few decades, you've had billions of people lifted out of absolute poverty and has been, and if you put, if you put a chart of that upward slope, it is correlated almost one for one with their increasing use of fossil fuels, mostly coal and oil. Okay, Don Watkins, I I have a question for you. It's a philosophical question, so we're going to go to break so you can think about this. But I I think you've really nailed it. And and the real question is, is do we want human beings to flourish or do we want to minimize their impact? And what does minimizing impact actually mean? So I think that's a big philosophical question. Let's go to break. When we come back, I can't wait to hear what you have to say. Don't miss Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Join Kim Munson with the Americhicks at Water's Edge Winery in Centennial or Colorado Cork and Keg in Castle Rock. In Fort Collins, attend Vino and Veritas at Ginger and Baker. Kim Munson with the Americhicks would like to thank Presidential Wealth Management Loveland, Presidential Wealth Management Greenwood Village, Tina Francone with Straightforward Shooting, and Grand Lake U.S. Constitution Week for their generous support. Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Sign up today at Americhicks.com. Come join the 88 Drive-In for all your favorite blockbuster movies. We're open seven days a week. Admission is only $9 per person, and children under 12 are free. Friday, August 23rd through Thursday, August 29th, features will include Angry Birds 2, The Lion King, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And remember our popular Monday through Thursday pizza special. Get one 12-inch pizza served fresh and hot from our oven and two tall, cool 16-ounce sodas, all for only 12 bucks. Plus, now you can top it all off with our new sweet, crunchy churros and a steaming cup of hot chocolate. For more information, go to our Facebook page or visit our website at 88drivein.net. 
You get more out of life when you go out to a movie. You'd like to get in touch with one of Kim Munson's sponsors, but you can't recall their phone number. Find a full list of advertising partners on AmeriChicks.com. Hey, welcome back. I am Kim Munson, and we are dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. We are having a conversation with Don Watkins, and he is, uh, is it the executive director with the Center for Industrial Progress? Is that what you... Uh, the director of education. The director of education. And then you are the editor of uh, The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels with Alex Epstein. That's a very important book as well. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Everybody should uh, check it out. Uh, most definitely. So we uh, we came in, we're coming into this break. I left a kind of a big, big question out there. I wanted to let you know that uh, Katie, a mom right here in the metro area, did text me. She said, your guest is right on. Polis's goal is impossible. Uh, so why wouldn't politicians want to do everything possible uh, to support and encourage human flour- flourishing? Well, I mean, if you just look at throughout human history, it's not automatic that people do care about human flourishing. That certainly wasn't the goal of the communists or the Nazis. Uh, it wasn't the goal of kind of medieval religious or the institutions. It's not the goal of you know, the, uh, of many parts of the Islamic world today, it is, it is really an enlightenment uh, and, and antiquity sort of oriented value to be concerned with human flourishing. And, and, but what often happens is that ideals that are contrary to human flourishing, they try to skew or confuse the issue so that you think, well, if I care about human flourishing, I need to be after this. I need to be after this other goal. So, if you take the goal of being green, what what our people were originally told was, "Hey, look, don't you care about clean air and clean water?" And people say, "Yeah, I care about clean air and clean water." And they said, "Okay, well then you should be green. You should be an environmentalist." But what does being green mean, or what is you know minimizing your impact or minimizing your footprint? Well, I mean, take a few examples that uh, I think intuitively capture what it really means, because in the end, I don't think it means being anti-pollution. I think it means being anti-development. So if you ask, like, if you had gone back and we were making a decision about whether to turn this kind of empty land into New York City, is that something that the Sierra Club or Greenpeace is going to give a thumbs up or thumbs down to? Well, they'll give a thumbs down, right? Yeah, I mean, there's no question. They say, no, you're, you're completely destroying wilderness here. Um, and then if you ask, uh, for instance, like, should you have kids? Is that a good decision? Well, if you look at, um, I think it's Greenpeace, it might be Sierra Club's website, like, they'll point out that, you know, one of the worst things you can do for your carbon footprint is to have kids. Alex likes to say that you'd be better off just living out of a running Hummer 24-7, which I think is exactly right. Um, and so the, it, it's all it's not about making human beings better off. It's really about not having an impact on nature. It's about wilderness is kind of our ideal. And then if you ask, what is the greener oh, country? Hey, Don, I just have to ask Europe? I just have to ask you a question. If we, we play that premise out, then ultimately there will be no children. And we will not continue on as a human race. And the wilderness will be the wilderness, but why does it matter? Well, the, I mean, the, the, in the end, the, the kind of arguments that you'll get from the environmentalists who are more philosophic is they'll say nature has intrinsic value. So 
I'm a humanist. So I'm, to me, nature is valuable for its role in making human beings flourish and helping human beings flourish. And it's both as a resource, but also as a source of pleasure and enjoyment, whether it's animals or whether it's, you know, really beautiful views. So being pro-human doesn't mean that you're saying, let's turn everything into a shopping mall, but it means that you're viewing everything from that question of how does this relate to human beings' ability to thrive. And But they're genuinely not concerned with human beings' ability to thrive. And that's why, like, if you ask, you know, what's the greener country, North Korea or South Korea? Well, I mean, look at it. North Korea has barely developed. You know, there's that there's a satellite uh, picture that you can see where there's all these lights in the south and there's one tiny, you know, dot of light in North Korea. And yet, um, and, and, and so it's North Korea is definitely greener, has far less of an impact on the planet. And yet, if you ask which one has worse pollution, well, it's North Korea. That South Korea is way better uh, environmental quality. But that's exactly the point. The point is that if you're concerned with pollution, you should be concerned with it from a pro-human perspective. But, but, that, but uh, in order to even fight pollution, you have to have lots of impacts. You have to have tons of infrastructure. You have to engage in major development on the planet. And so what I think is that we shouldn't be trying to minimize our impact. We should be trying to maximize our good impacts and minimize any negative side effects from our activities. Well, that's on one hand, that seems like common sense. On the other hand, it seems brilliant. Um, so what do we do? And you know what? I'd never thought about, about that. I've seen that map that you have mentioned where it's a map of uh, the Koreas at night, and you can definitely see the line between so- uh, South Korea and North Korea. But I hadn't ever thought that, you know, in, in this argument regarding impact, supposed, uh, on um, being green, that North Korea people don't have electricity, they're starving, uh, and, um, you know, so yes, they are, are more green in, in that aspect, but I hadn't thought about the fact that they are actually creating more pollution. And I wanted to make a, no, a, a note, I w- did some research on a piece that I have published at americhicks.com, this was regarding the whole electric car thing, is that wind and solar many of the ingredients that go into that like lithium and manganese and and a variety of different minerals that are have to be mined to go into uh, wind and solar are mined in the congo and a lot of those uh, minerals are mined by hand and many of them by children so if you know that doesn't seem like that's responsible to me either i just wanted to make a point I, you want to make a comment on that don well, I think it's really important that, like, these are not secret facts. Like, anybody who spends some time researching knows that that kind of mining practices, and even if it's not as bad as in the Congo, they're inherently very dirty, very uh, uh, high-impact practices. And what I think that illustrates is you're not getting people really thinking about, yeah, are solar and wind practical, or are they clean? That it's that what solar and wind really serve as is a rationalization for banning fossil fuels. So if people want to ban fossil fuels, and how are you going to justify that? Because if you just said, let's deprive ourselves of energy, nobody would agree with you. But if you say, don't worry, we'll have wind and solar solve all our problems. But if wind and solar ever became practical, the Greens would oppose it. And in fact, you already are seeing that in many locations that are trying to build, you know, wind farms as people saying, you know, not in my backyard, which is right partly influenced by the green movement. And in fact, we saw this historically. For a while, there was reports that we had um, created uh, nuclear fusion and, and had this 
you know, uh, completely new, clean, limitless source of energy. And one of the leading environmentalists at the time said, this is horrible because, like, what are we going to do with energy? We're going to impact the planet, even though the energy would have been totally clean and super affordable. And so I think the, um, the, the point is that what a purse is consistently against impact is not for solar and wind. They're really against any practical form of energy. And as soon as solar and wind become practical, you're going to hear the Greens being the loudest people condemning, well, we can't engage in all of this mining and we can't be scarring the landscape with, you know, uh, mining, yeah. wind turbines yeah. and, oh, yeah. you know, solar rays. This is absolutely fascinating. And so what what you have researched, you and Alex and all of you over at the Center for Industrial Progress, is that it really is energy poverty, not climate change, that is threatening poor countries. So if we really care about others, and I do, uh, across the globe, how do we make everyone energy rich? Well, I mean, a lot, there's... The really fundamental thing, and this is what you know, we see in countries like China and India, is it's not anything that has to be done externally. It comes primarily from reforming your government and increasing the amount of freedom and protection of rights of your citizens. And then what they'll do is they'll – one of the things that they'll do is they'll trade. And so it's, it will be by the profit motive in increasingly free countries dealing with uh, established countries to build – you know, power plants to be able to buy and, and create for themselves uh, different forms of energy. But the core thing that they need is freedom and, and capitalism. And then we don't really have to do anything except for engage in profitable trading relationships with them. But our role, I think, is primarily intellectual, moral. It's to say it would be good. It's good for you to industrialize. It's good for you to be free. And it's good for you to use the fossil fuels you need to lift yourself out of poverty. Instead of what we do, which is we basically apologize for the fact that we are free and industrialized and then try to shame you know, all these other countries and say, oh, you should just skip over fossil fuels and go right to solar and wind, which doesn't work and is impractical even for us to use. Well, and I was talking to someone in the energy industry that uh, actually had really come from a quote-unquote green background, and uh, she's been working as a consultant in the energy field, and she said exactly what you just mentioned, is that you're starting to see the, um, you know, the, the green environmentalist start to push back on wind and solar as well. And I thought, well, that is really interesting. So here we have Governor Polis in Colorado that is by, by fiat. By be, like being a king, says that we are going to be energy independent, or excuse me, not energy independent, uh, uh, totally 100% renewable uh, by 2040. And uh, in essence, it's impossible. And when you really peel this back, like you're doing, Don, is, is I mean, it's going to bring us down, is, is what I see. Well, I mean, imagine, like, we really need to take seriously what an achievement fossil fuel is. Imagine if somebody said, Hey, you know what? We can get along without silicone. We're not gonna, you know, uh, we're not gonna use it for our computer chips anymore. I've got this great replacement that works wonderfully. So we're gonna be 100% free by 2040. You'd say, wait a minute. So much of our life depends on this achievement. You better like demonstrate, not just assure me with some claim or some study that you've actually got a replacement. And, and the way that you demonstrate that is to win in the marketplace, not to ban your competitors. 
And so insofar as the government has to dictate being 100% renewable, I regard that as proof that being 100% renewable makes absolutely no sense. Because if it did, you wouldn't have to force it down people's throats. Exactly. If it's a great idea, you don't have to force it. So Don Watkins, fabulous conversation. We are out of time. Love to have you back again. I just, uh, these are really important conversations. And so love to get you scheduled again. My pleasure. Okay, and that was Don Watkins with the Center for Industrial Progress. He is the editor for The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels, a very important book, and uh, greatly appreciate appreciate that. This show is underwritten by Liberty Oilfield Services, and we're talking about health and hydrocarbons, how hydrocarbons help everyday people thrive and flourish. Our quote for today is Winston Churchill. He says, Continuous effort, not strength or intelligence, is the key to unlocking our potential. So today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you, and God bless America. Out into this great unknown.